Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow with Moin podcast. I am your host, Moin Zephyr, and today I have with me Tom Story. He's a top 1% in sales in Toronto, top 35 under 35, host of the Tom Story podcast, and occasionally seen on TV talking about real estate. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, very excited to have you here, man. So uh, let's uh, learn about your story here today. You got into real estate many years ago. We're going to talk about year one. Sure. Or actually, yeah. even before that, why or how did you think about getting into real estate? My uh, So growing up, my mom was always in sales, not not in real estate, but in, in different type of kind of direct sales. And I saw her running her business growing up and then... When I was just before I went to university, it kind of crossed my mind like, oh, interesting, you know, maybe maybe real estate something I could get into because I was always just interested walking around, seeing the open houses and stuff like, be, you know, in school younger. And I thought I would get my license when I was 18 and I didn't. And I went to school. But then one summer I came back and I was working for my uncle and he had a business that you'd go into people's houses and like hang the TVs. And this is when the TVs were like 10 times heavier than they are now. Right. And... I would help him do that. And one of the houses we did was a real estate agent in the East End of Toronto. I remember he came home and I was just like, I was like, what do you do? Like, what's your, what, what's going on here? And it was like a nice house. And that that's when it first kind of like clicked for me. Like, oh, interesting. Okay. And I was always worried about getting into sales because I didn't like sales seemed like greasy, like just slimy to me. I didn't like the idea right. of sales. And someone really earlier on was like, Oh, it has nothing to do with homes. Like it's people, it's people. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, if I could just help people, that would be kind of a cool way. And so that's when the idea came. And then I, I went to university of Guelph. I got a degree in sociology, which I'm doing nothing with. Um, but in my last year of Guelph, I was so certain that I wanted to give this a shot that I started taking my real estate license at the same time that I was graduating. So then I got out of school, mentored under someone for about six months, literally for free, just like followed him around, saw what he was doing as I was finishing my licensing. And then I got my license and now I'm still doing it nine and a half years later. Wow. So I totally get the idea of the the initial reluctance to sales because I, I had the same. I've been avoiding sales all my life. And uh, it's because we have had different experiences with sales. I think personally, like we always, uh, like there's this stereotype of the slimy car salesman always pushing deals on you. And we've all went through it. And for me, at least it's like, I don't want to be like that. But uh, now I'm here too. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So you got a mentor and then you were with them for six months. You basically shadowed them for six months. And then um, talk about what your first year was like in real estate. Like what were your expectations and how did you go about meeting them? My expectations going into it was kind of just proving it to myself that I could do it. And my direct family was very supportive, but a lot of other people were basically like, good luck. Um, it's competitive. You're trying to enter one of the most competitive real estate markets in the world in Toronto, specifically downtown Toronto. You know, if you think I look young now, go check out a picture of me <laughs> when I started at 22. Um, and that first year, I remember about six months in, I, I had survived by doing leases. That's right. how I survived when I started. I remember being like six months in and I was lucky 
that I was living with my parents still when I started. I was living in my parents' basement. And I think I'd made ten or twelve thousand dollars six months in, right? right? And living in my parents' basement, I could survive on that because yeah. I didn't have expenses. But it was kind of a wake-up call being like, okay, you know, I don't know if this is gonna work. Like I this this isn't enough money to live, let alone Toronto, many areas in Canada. You can't survive on twenty thousand dollars a year. Right. Um and that's when I recognize like, okay, I'm in the growth phase here. Everything I'm doing in year one is new. I'm doing lots of things that I look back and go, okay, that was a waste of time at that moment because I wasn't ready to try and take that step. And I would meet anybody in any place. I drove to Hamilton to show a condo. I don't know anything about Hamilton, but I was like, this is my one opportunity. I got to do it. Didn't work out. And then I had, I remember I had these buyers and I was like thinking, I was like, okay, this is my one <laughs> opportunity I have. And I remember they called me. It was like 9 a.m. And they're like, hey, Tom, thanks for showing us all those properties. You know, we ended up, our friend told us about this other thing that was off market. We bought it last night. I'm like, okay, I'm really happy for you. That's great. I'm screwed. <laughs> like this was my one thing that I had going for me. And And looking back, it's like, that's a totally wrong mindset, right? Because I was just trying to survive. I was in it for myself and I wasn't getting anything done. And it makes sense why. And now looking at it being like, you know, if you just focus on solving other people's problems, you never really have to worry about money because it shows up. But that first year, I was certainly not a natural. I took about six months to understand like, okay, I got to do this differently. Ended my first year stronger, got a few sales on the board, continued to do the leasing. And then at the end of that first year, I recognize like, okay, I have to have some type of structure here. I have to be better with my scheduling. I have to treat this like a business and I need I need more accountability in, in mentorship. And that's when I found like real estate coaching and going to conferences and things like that. And I can say if there's one single thing that changed it for me, it was it was the understanding of like, it's been done before. You don't have to reinvent this, model it off what's worked with other people and make it your own. Right. That makes sense. And I can draw a lot of parallels here, even for myself. And uh, I mentioned this before in the podcast, I restarted, I think two weeks ago, the podcast, and I mentioned I'm I'm in real estate now. So I'm in my first six months. And uh, I remember I, I did my first open house all the way in uh, in Caledon. And I, I drove to Oshawa to meet a client, show them a house, and it obviously didn't work out. Um, and again, uh, similar to what you were experiencing, you didn't know what you were doing and there's not really a system in place. Obviously, a lot more has been done since you started and where I am starting. Like there's um, like, like I can watch people like you on YouTube and, and, and there's podcast shows and all over the place. And so there's a lot more information to go around. And then the one thing I hear consistently is the mentor piece. Mm. which I which uh, even before I started I knew that that's where that was going to be important and so you started off your first year I guess you ended it strong yep. um, what were your like sources of leads back then like uh, how were you getting your leases uh, what, did, what did you do I was running ads on Kijiji like literally I had two template ads that I would run which was like it, I wasn't advertising someone else's listing what I would do is I'd say king west condos for lease or liberty village condos for lease and then i would say one bedroom starting at this amount two bedrooms starting at this amount three bedrooms starting at this amount and at the time it allowed you to put like a link in there that could link them to my website contact page right and then i just got really good at trying to set up my days like 
two, four. And then remember, I'm 23 at the time. I don't have anything else going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, if my mornings are are focusing on calling people back, getting things together, running these ads, my afternoons have to be showing properties. So I would run those ads on Kijiji, Craigslist, whatever, all those platforms. I would have people come in and then every single day I would try to book showings at 2 p.m., 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And I would try to cluster them in the same area of the city, right? And then I just got really good at qualifying people, like making sure that they knew what they were in for. And especially when you run ads on those type of platforms to start your career, people will reach out and you can help people find rentals that way. But you are you are just the means to the end to them. They don't really value you. It's like you're the person that's opening the door to get them this opportunity. Right. But you do that enough time. And then after you've helped them, you stay in touch with them. And they're like, you know, all these years down the road, so many of those people I helped rent a place for 1400 bucks eight years ago have now bought a property with me and are moving up again and referred me their friends. So I survived on leases by running ads on free platforms, essentially. Yeah. Nice. Really cool. Do you think uh, places like Kijiji are still solid for new real estate agents to to start off there? Or do you think there's different avenues now that we should work on? Facebook works better these days, yeah. like Facebook Marketplace running similar ads. A lot of the new agents uh, that had started on our team the last few years found a lot of success there. I mean, listen, anything works, uh, but you got to do it consistently. So there's many different ways. Like I had to do that because I didn't join a team that gave me opportunities. I had to find my own. Right. And it's like, if some people that get into the industry are like, I'm not doing leases. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like they think they're too good for it. Like that's how I build my business. So, so many people start and we're very lucky if you're listening to this in Ontario that we can even do leases. Alberta, BC, real estate agents don't do leases. Hmm. So you start and your your only option is a sale. And even if you do a sale your first week after getting your license, it doesn't close for three months. Right. You don't get paid till two weeks after that. And then the government takes half of the check anyway. So it's it's understanding like how to run the business. And then after that first year, because everything is new the first year, if you stay in touch with everybody, then you start getting repeat business and referral business. And then, and then it builds from there. Yeah. Um, so leases, for those of you who are listing new real estate agents, leases is a good first step, especially if you're in Toronto, the GTA. Oh, I didn't know Alberta didn't do uh, like real estate agents didn't do leases. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So we have an opportunity here in, in Ontario that um, you don't find elsewhere in Canada, I guess. Take advantage of it, especially if you're new, because it's how you, that's how, it's how I built my database. Yeah. And then even with the, like, I remember when I was in, uh, like do, studying for the license, I had people in my class who I mentioned that I will be joining a team as soon as I start. And a lot of them find it difficult to comprehend that uh, like it, you're splitting your paychecks with, with somebody else starting off. And it, it is a business and it's hard for, for you to give your pay away, but like it's, it's starting from zero. Like if you're making zero your first year, you're splitting zero with yourself around, and as opposed to like getting a team leader or a team who's going to share information and knowledge with you and experience and like help you really uh, get off on the right standing and the right foot. I think that team. So listen, the, the thing that most real estate agents struggle with is not the, once they have the opportunity, they can service it. They can help them. They're, they're people that are great at servicing business, right? Um, 
it's the creating of the opportunity that most people struggle with, especially if you're a single agent trying, you're busy running around with your clients that didn't give you the time to actually follow up with people and do prospecting and find new uh, lead streams. So you get one or the other. Now, there's a certain amount of real estate agents that are good at, at producing opportunity. And those are typically the ones that build out teams because they produce so much opportunity that they can no longer service at all. Right. And take away even just the leads, right? Because everyone thinks they join teams for, for leads. And that's obviously part of it, right? That's part of the structure. But the mentorship, this is a lonely business doing it on your own. And if I personally look at a lot of people go like, oh, the real estate disruptors, it's the new auction company, it's the mere posting, what whatever it is, there's always something. No, it's not. They have like 1% market share. The disruptors in our industry are teams. Look who took over all the market share. And especially as we're moving into a market that is contracting, I mean, there's a lot of single agents that are crushing it out there and, and good for them. But if yeah, if I was a newer agent coming in right now, the first thing I would do is try to grab onto the pant leg of someone to doing it at a high level and follow them around because you're going to save yourself so much time, trial and error. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me as well. So year one, you finished strong. What were your goals for year two and three? What did you learn from year one and what did you want it to do differently? I think the scheduling was the big thing, right? Year one, you go, you meet anyone at any time. Oh, you're interested. Fine. When can I meet you? Right. And you and you let them just choose your life, basically. Um, so year two, I got better at the the dentist model where, right, you the dentist calls you and they're like, Tom, your six months is up. You're coming in. We, we can get you Thursday morning at 8 a.m. or Tuesday at 2 p.m. Right. And you're like, oh, Thursday morning, 8 a.m. is ridiculous, but fine. Let's just book in that one because <laughs> yeah. they gave me an option and I chose. Also, what I recognize is who was the one that even made that call? It wasn't the person cleaning my teeth. It was the receptionist. Right. Okay. So then it was like, you know, at that point, I couldn't afford an assistant. So I'm still the receptionist in this, you know. Then I go to the dentist who actually does 80% of the work. It's the hygienist, which in real estate, that would be the buyer's agent. Okay. Right. And then dentists also own their practice. They can, they can sell it one day for money when they're done. So they have the perfect business model, in my opinion. But to take it back to the beginning part, it's you have to give people options. So I got much better at scheduling where, okay, great. You want to see a property? Cool. Uh, these two times I'm available, which one works best for you? 90% of the time, people would just pick one of them. Right. Because... Everyone gets into real estate to create a better lifestyle for themselves and their family, and whether that's income or time off or whatever it is. But if you fill up your calendar and take away your personal items, your whole life becomes business. And there's some realtors that thrive in this hectic of always working 24-7. I'm not really sure that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in building out a structure where we can help more people by having more people available to them right. and building a true business model that's sustainable. And the best analogy I've ever heard is the tiger proofing your business. And this is a Dean Jackson analogy. He's You should check out his podcast. He's I've learned so much from him. And it's like there used to be a Vegas act, Siegfried and Roy, I think were their names. And they had the tiger show. Yeah. It was like two guys and a tiger. One of the guys got mauled by the tiger. That business is done. 
<laughs> so if 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 I go away for three months, will my business do the same amount? No, but will it survive? Yes. That's when I recognize, okay, I have to have some type of structure here. Maybe at some point I'm going to have to bring on someone that's going to help me. So for year two, growing it out, it was scheduling better, actually having a CRM and staying in touch with people Mm -hmm. and recognizing that that second year, I had all these opportunities that didn't come the first year because I had built the database already. So people were saying, hey, you help me do this. Can you help my friend go do this? And that was business that came to me that I didn't have to create myself. Right. Um, and so what you're really saying is real estate is a people's business. Yeah, it has nothing to do with homes. It has nothing to do with homes. It's it's trust. Um, you know, one of the things that that I've noticed and right now when I'm meeting with a new buyer or seller, whether it's at the property or over a Zoom call, I'll just tell them from the beginning of the meeting, like, hey. You know, the the way that I run my business is repeat and referral and word of mouth. You know, my only goal here today is do such a good job for you that at the end of working with our team, you want to recommend us. All right. I'm not the bus bench guy. I'm not the billboard guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's just not my business model. So I just want to knock this out of the park for you. So so the, the, the clients know from the beginning, like, listen, whether this takes two minutes, two weeks or two years, we're with you till the end. Right. That's okay. I'm not going to let you buy something crappy. It's an, I'm not going to allow it because I understand the lifelong value of a client. And especially now when you're moving into markets where transaction volume is going to be down, you have to be working on a relationship business because those people are going to come back to you. Right. Where the transaction agents, in like the last two years, the amount of people I've talked out of buying a pre-construction condo mm is like 50 plus people. And I'm so happy I did because there's lots of agents that were promising things that didn't exist. Oh, just assign it. It's easy to assign it. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not easy. And so I I just, I feel good at night. I can go to bed every night and feel good about what I did. I'm helping people. And even when they have, they don't have any need for me to buy or sell a home, that's okay. Right. Uh, they they reach out like who's the person you recommend to come paint our place? Do you have an appliance repair person? So it's really just being someone's resource throughout everything because the chances of them actually moving are small. People don't move that often. Right. So making sure you're just people's resource if they just have a question about anything. Because if your clients are reaching out to you about who do you recommend to come like a plumber, they're also going to call you when they actually need to move. Yeah, that that makes so much sense, and I think it's brilliant that you do that. And a lot of things, well, I'm relatively new, but I find that whenever I'm talking to a potential uh, client or a prospect, I feel like there's people already on the back foot. And maybe it's because the image real estate agents have built over the past how many years. And I feel like it's like the moment you start, it's a battle for you to build that trust and to clear out any like things that people might have in there and oh this guy is out to get my money or real estate agents make so much money or they scam people they push people into buying stuff how do you tackle uh something like that that's that this mistrust that people have had in real estate agents over the past few years yeah um, especially as a, as, a, as a new agent coming in and and like you said like you you focus on servicing your clients and and building that trust which is i think is a great way to start 
But um, what else can you do? Well, I mean, if I look back at even the last 12 months, how many people I've talked out of doing things, right. saying, no, this doesn't make sense for you. They refer you like crazy because they're like, thanks so much. It, you're right. It wasn't a good opportunity. I was getting caught up on the hyper. I was only buying out of fear. Thanks for telling me that. But also my friend really does need to move. Can you help them? Right. So everyone's worried about like, well, what if I don't take this opportunity? Like, there's all there's lots of opportunities out there. And, you know, I'm not like a super religious person, but I do believe in karma. Right. I believe that if you do the right thing, good things will happen to you. And if you give the good advice at the best time, if you're just working for yourself, you will get so far and then you will fall apart. But if you're working for other people, it will be there. And like, if I'm at a clothing store and someone comes up to me and says, do you need any help? What's your first thing you want to say? No, thanks. No, thanks. No, no. Just looking. Just looking. It's the same thing people are doing with us. And my goal in those meetings is like, it's because I noticed this, right? It's like sometimes I'm 45 minutes into a listing presentation with sellers right. and they tell me and they finally open up. I'm like, could you not have just told me that at the beginning? Would have saved us so much time here. I would have really known, right? Right. So, so it's taking their shoulders from, from meeting with you being like this to slowly dropping down and relaxing, right? Um, so I think the way that I've combated that is asking questions. And you know, this is kind of funny for me to say because I do so much talking for a living, but you gotta shut up. We're trained to sell ourselves and say this is how great we are and a blah 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 blah. They don't care about us. They care about their situation. So if you can get ahead of that and just say, okay, first of all, your house is beautiful. Why am I here? Why are we selling this house? This is a great house. What's everything I need to know if I were you? In a perfect world, how does this all work out? And what you do is you ask that question and then you stop talking. I've noticed in negotiations too with other agents, if I go quiet after they say something, yeah. They say something again that give me more information that they probably shouldn't have said. Hmm. People are so worried about that, that awkward silence. <laughs> uh, so I use that a lot to my advantage in negotiations. And then also with, with clients, it's like I ask a question and I stop talking. Hmm. All right. You heard it here, folks. Tom Stray says create a lot of awkward silence with your clients. <laughs> no, for now, that's a, that's a great way. And, and what you're actually saying is instead of trying to sell yourself constantly, focus on the needs of, of the people you're talking to and what they actually need in that moment from you. And whether it be like, do they actually need to sell or do they actually need to buy or not in that moment? And I think that's great. Listen, the, the consumer doesn't care about these awards that we all have and they don't know what any of it means yeah. they know that they're trying to sell their property or do something for a specific reason and are you the person that they trust the most right and you can build that trust based on knowledge based on the visibility of you being the person in their neighborhood that does the most amount of transactions the fact that their best friend referred you to them which is the best type of way of being introduced to somebody because there's two types of people reaching out to us as real estate agents. You have the person that reaches out for the property. You have this house listed. Can I see it? Right. What are they interested in? The house. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're interested in the house. You can go show them the house, but ye they want the house. They could really care less about you. They want the house. Right. 
Or you can focus on activities in your business and your life that get people to reach out for you. Hi, I'd like to work with you. And then the house comes secondary. So, you know, what we really focus on is how can you create more you business where you've built up trust, relationship, knowledge, education, you know, whether it's doing events for people or just giving them free information when it's, when they're needed. Or for me, it's like putting out YouTube content of what's going on in the market. Right. I don't, it doesn't cost anybody anything to watch my videos, but I'm willing to do it. And especially say like, it's either not, it's not, maybe it's not a good time for you right now, willing to be honest with them. And that's building that authority as a voice. And then they reach out saying, Tom, we want your advice on this. And, and even this morning, like I, just before this call, I was chatting with a client that was thinking about moving up and selling her condo and condo market's not great right now. And she's like, I honestly just don't know what to do. What would, what should I do? And that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Because it's someone else's life and they're and they're focusing on on what you have to say. And I'm saying, like, okay, well, here's scenario one, here's scenario two, here's scenario three. Which one do you feel more most comfortable with? Even if we move over here, is your is your child now gonna have to make a new friend group? Is that something you want to put them through? Yeah. There's there's so many variables that um, I don't know. I just take a lot of responsibility in the fact that like when you're helping someone do this, and I think this term's kind of overused that like, oh, this is your biggest transaction and everyone, but it's the truth. Yeah. They just need to trust you. You need to be trusted. And if you can't be trusted, I don't care how good you are at what you do, you're not going to help a lot of people because they don't they get that vibe that you're just in it to get the sale done. Right. Where I've taken the opposite approach where I'm just like I don't actually care if you buy. <laughs> I I'll help you if you want to, but let's run the numbers and see if these even make sense for you. Yeah. I think that's great. And, and it has been said a lot. It is the biggest transaction of people's lives, but it is true. And uh, we need to take like the utmost care because it's there's a lot of like things going on, like people have kids and schools and work and, and it's a lot of money, right? Some people for some people, it's like all they got and yeah. they're taking care of that process. And um, uh, you have to be rooted in the fact that hey this is the biggest transaction of their lives and like you're responsible in a way for that as well um and i think that's a great way to to really get go into meetings and and um um like be, really feel accountable for what you're doing um okay so we talked about uh, the first three years uh, let's fast forward to year five six seven all the way to now okay um, in year five you're you're out of your parents basement yeah, I was out of the basement in year three. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. And then so year five, do you really start feeling like, okay, I'm like, you know, you're in your own zone. Like, you know what? I, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm great yeah. at it. I'm helping people. What's that like? Well, it felt good. I mean, it, it was really cool to see that as I help people and just try to do the right thing, the business naturally grew because you're building out the amount of people you're helping and then they're connecting with their friends and family and it, it's kind of growing organically, right? right? That was really cool. And then also in that five-year mark got to the point where some of the people I had helped earlier on were now selling their property that I had helped them buy right. moving to the next property. So the five to six to seven-year mark, a lot of my business was, Tom, okay, let's sell our condo and let's go buy a house. Right. We're up to that point. Everything I did was a one transaction. I would help you buy your first property or sometimes the parents would come and they'd like me and then I'd help them exit their house. But it was always like a one on each side. 
Then it got to the point that it was two opportunities on every single one, which was great. And by year three, I decided I can't be doing leases anymore because it's taking away time from other things. And frankly, people refer you for what you did for them. Mm -hmm. So I realized I was getting all these lease referrals and I was like, hey, you guys know I sell properties too, right? <laughs> um, so then that's when I brought on another agent that would do all the leases for the team. And then, and then when I got to year seven and eight, maybe, I recognized I'm so buyer heavy that I can't focus on getting listings. Mm. I can no longer be the one that takes out the buyers. And that was a terrifying decision. Right. Especially because the my buyers are typically buying more than they were selling. So it's like I take the listing for a smaller amount and give away the buyer to the team member at a much higher price point, which I could have done. Right. But I wanted to run a business. I wanted to have something sustainable. And and then I did, you know, the most amount of listings I've ever done that year because I made that decision. But it's not like I was just removing it. I was putting someone in that position who, frankly, is now better at me at doing that task. Okay. So that's great. Tom, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We're reaching uh, like towards the end of the podcast, and I don't want to take any more of your time. Uh, before you go, uh, what's one thing that you would tell someone who's starting off uh, in the real estate industry right now today? What would you tell them? And um, yeah, just go for it. Being being scheduled is the most important. Okay. To-do lists don't work. Unless it's in your calendar, it's not going to happen. It has to be in your calendar. Book your personal time in your calendar before you start booking your business time. Um, that would be the first thing. The second one would be in some capacity, have a mentor, a coach, or someone you look up to that is within arm's reach. Okay. I think Ryan Sorhan's amazing but you can't talk to him every day. Okay. Right. So you should have some within arm's reach. You can, whether that's your broker, your manager, your team leader, somebody that you can talk to every single day, that's actually going to help you and be there for you. Right. And then if I really break down, because I've now met people at every stage of business, whether it's at the crazy top end of selling 250 homes a year, or the people just getting by, and it always to me comes down to three things it is, is the consistency of doing the action every single day. It is having the patience to understand that these systems work, but if you give up after three months, you're not going to get the result. Yeah. You got to keep the patience has to be there. And then three is the actual execution of the, of the thing, the doing of it. So fundamentally, has anything changed in real estate in the last 35 years? I don't think it has for a real estate agent. Our job is to wake up and to help a potential buyer, a potential seller, or someone looking to lease. That's our job. Was that not the same job as someone 35 years ago? Yeah. Now, the tools in the middle are totally different, right. right? And the information that people have access to is totally different, but you have to be the resource. So treat it like a business. Do what you say you are going to do. If you are good at setting expectations to your clients, you will thrive. Because if you overpromise and underdeliver, that's not a path I would recommend to many people. I would almost be careful about what you promise to then over deliver or deliver at the, the point that they are happy with it right. because people's minds run everywhere, but it's an amazing business if you can get into it and really model it. But the truth is it takes time. 
you're not going to get the result right away. And most of the things that you're going to be taught in this industry are going to give you success six months from now. There's not many things I can tell you, like, do this right now and you sell a property tomorrow. That's not really how it works. So it's having the patience and understanding that you run a business. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it at a high level and they don't. But putting yourself in the room with the people doing it at the high level and asking them what they're doing and then modeling it after them. That's essentially my my listing presentation, my buyer presentation, my touch point system. Everything has been modeled off someone else doing it for a decade before me and just making it my own. Yeah, that's amazing. Tom, thank you so much for sharing your story, your wisdom, your insights. I really appreciate it. Uh, before you go, what's uh, where can people find you, reach out to you? I know there's the Tom Story Show, your podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that you can I mean if you go to YouTube, just type my name, you'll find me. And then if it's Instagram at the story team is our is our main account that we're pretty active on. Those are kind of the two places that we're pretty consistent on posting content. Awesome. Tom, thank you so much. Thanks, man.